Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at Show. As always, we're available to you on your favorite pod streaming app after the show. Make sure you're subscribing to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel and downloading our app from the Amazon App Store. So you can throw us up on your big screen if you have a Fire TV and or Android device. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We have your primetime recaps today and your waiver wire report. The first waiver wire report of the 2021 fantasy football playoffs as we enter week 15. So excited for it. The time for the championship clock is now. It is kicked off. We are trying to win as many MD Nation championships as we possibly can. And hopefully we'll really be able to help you out with today's waiver wire report, which of course is playoff time. So as you would expect, it is going to be a skinny waiver wire report, but it doesn't make it any less important. How you manage your teams though, what you're actually looking for changes in the fantasy football playoffs and is during the regular season. You're not picking up guys 
on the hunch that maybe two weeks from now they might be valuable. No, no, no. They're either valuable now or they're golden lottery tickets, potentially. It's one or the other. You're consolidating your rosters and hopefully we'll be able to help you do that later on in the show. But first, we get the primetime matchup recaps from week 14 that we got to finish up with. So let's dive into that. Let's dive into the Sunday night game. And it wound up being a hell of a Sunday night game. It wound up being a much higher scoring than we were anticipating out of the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers, who win 45-30 to 30 in this matchup. The first half was nuts. Well, I should say the second quarter was nuts. Bears scored 24 points. The Packers scored 21 points in the second quarter. It was just big play after big play. Not even necessarily offense. It would be a special teams return and then a defensive pick six and then just back and forth insanity. So much action that second quarter. But then the second half came. The Packers settled down, settled in, and they completely dominated the second half, scoring 24-3 to in the second half and just took care of business. But still an interesting game overall. Let's start on the let's start on the Packers side of the ball. So Rodgers said he had a setback with a toe injury. It might have gotten worse, although you wouldn't be able to tell by the way he played on the field. 341 yards, four touchdowns. Rodgers continues to be a better fantasy asset since he's had the toe injury. Why? Well, he's not looking to hold the ball as long as he was. He's simply just taking what the defense gives him. He's getting the ball out of his hands faster, and it's actually making the offense more efficient. Devontae Adams is a big benefactor of that, of course. 10 receptions, 121 yards, two touchdowns on 13 targets. Outside Devontae Adams, there's been a big debate. Who's that second wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers? A lot of people are favoring Marquez Valdez-Scantling, my argument was that I'm not trusting anybody who's not named Devontae Adams because there is no real second pass catcher of the Green Bay Packers because it changes every single week. This week, it wasn't Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It was Alan Lazard, who had six catches for 75 yards, touchdown on seven targets. Does he make my fantasy radar? No. No, he does not. Neither does Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Again, we're in the fantasy playoffs. Trust and confidence. I'll continue to say it. Trust and confidence. I have zero trust and confidence in anybody not named Devontae Adams on the Green Bay Packers. Plain and simple. That has not changed and will not change. So what is it about the Packers that we actually have to talk about from a fantasy perspective? Well, that's the running game. So we had the bye week. Aaron Jones expected to be, you know, healthy. Full participant in practice all week long. Comes into this game. He gets two touchdowns. So from that standpoint, he gives you the fantasy production that you were looking for. However, it was two touchdowns on eight total touches. Five carries for 35 yards. And then he tacks on three receptions for 30 yards. Getting a touchdown both through the air and on the ground. So this is where everybody is troubled. Because you're looking at A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon wasn't involved in the, at all in the passing game, but 15 carries compared to Aaron Jones's five. So now all of a sudden, Aaron Jones' owners are worried. Like, okay, what does this mean? A.J. Dillon, did he take over as a running back? Well, if you watch this game, basically what happened is, that, like I said, there was a lot of back and forth in the first half. 
the Green Bay Packers settled in, kind of took over in the second half. Aaron Jones, by the way, scored both of his touchdowns in the second half. But he got hurt on a play, and it was towards the end of the game when the Green Bay Packers were getting ready to start melting down the clock. Aaron Jones was out there. He gets banged up. He kind of hobbled off to the sideline. He got checked out by medical trainers. Now, we haven't heard anything really to this point about anything really serious going on with Aaron Jones or we have any reason to think that he's not going to be able to play next week. What I basically think would happen is that he got a little bit banged up. He's coming off the MCL injury. The Packers knew at that point they had the game well in hand, and you can easily ice the game with an A.J. Dillon because Dillon got about half of his carries for the game on that one drive alone at the end when they just pretty much went in there and iced it after Aaron Jones had gotten banged up a little bit. So I think this was more due to circumstance than anything else. Packers threw the ball 37 times. That's a little bit of actually of a higher number than what we've seen for the most part this season. Basically what it boils down to is this. I am not worried about the fact that Aaron Jones only had eight touches in this game. He's still going to be in my fantasy lineups. Now, I will say this. Do I consider Aaron Jones an RB1? No, I don't. I don't consider Aaron Jones a top 12 running back because what I do think is real is that this is close to a 50-50 committee, especially in the running game. And it might even be a little bit 55-45 in favor of A.J. Dillon in the running game from here on out. And he's been the guy getting the majority of the carries regardless of the past six weeks anyway. But when it comes to the passing game, that's still going to be Aaron Jones's domain. And it's going to be close to a 50-50 split between the two on the ground. Basically, what I think it boils down to is this. Aaron Jones is a mid-level RB2 who has more touchdown upside, more big play upside than A.J. Dillon does. And A.J. Dillon is somewhere in that 24 to 27 range where he's a low in RB2, high in RB3. But it mostly comes back to this. I think this is an opposite version of a Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You're playing them both. They're both, they both belong in your lineups, but where it's Nick Chubb, who's usually the more dominant running back over Kareem Hunt, it'd be the opposite where Aaron Jones is the more dominant guy, I think, over A.J. Dillon more of the time, and I'll have him ranked higher than an A.J. Dillon. Again, you're playing them, but maybe you don't have RB1-level expectations out of an Aaron Jones right now. Maybe that causes you to take a wide receiver three or a flex player with a little bit more upside rather than a safer floor. Adjust accordingly with your expectations. Either way, he belongs in your lineup. And I'm not worried about the eight touches here. Aaron Jones is a really good player. They paid him a lot of money. He's going to get double-digit touches. Because, yes, on on the face value of it, eight touches is not enough to sustain the fantasy production he got in this game because that was mostly boosted by the two touchdowns. All right, obviously. I don't think that's going to be the case necessarily moving forward, as long as Aaron Jones gets to stay healthy. I think this was a matter of context and circumstance of how this game went, which was a little bit wacky. And then towards the end, there was no reason to push Aaron Jones out there with a team that typically will play conservative with its players anyway. Now, on the Chicago Bears side of things, Justin Fields picked up a hand contusion in this game. But more importantly, Darnell Mooney, who had been becoming a a low-end wide receiver too, even a mid-level wide receiver too, with... Allen Robinson being out. Well, Robinson comes back in this game, and and Robinson first and foremost does not look like mo- does not look like he's motivated at all. 
But because of his presence, he still gets six targets in this game. Darmelo Mooney gets five. The leading target guy was actually David Montgomery. We'll talk about him in a second. But it just takes away enough. You already have Justin Fields, who actually, from a fantasy standpoint, as far as Darnell Mooney is concerned, is not as good as Andy Dalton. This is not doesn't boost Darnell Mooney the same way. And then you add in Al Robinson, who is going to demand a certain amount of targets, whether he's motivated or not, to head his direction. Now, all of a sudden, what was a wide receiver two becomes a boom or bust low-end wide receiver three option, Darnell Mooney, because he's still the guy running the deeper routes. Justin Fields has shown a rapport with him throughout this season, but ultimately, you're dealing with a low floor where he was starting to become a guy you could consistently play every single week. Why Allen Robinson came back, I don't know if he was forced to. I don't know if he couldn't milk it any longer, whatever the case may have been. But unfortunately, it throws a monkey wrench into trusting any Chicago Bear wide receiver, any Chicago Bear pass catcher, because it throws a monkey wrench into Colt Komet and his target that you can trust too. Now, David Montgomery didn't have the big game in this one, but he was the lead pass catcher. Six target or six receptions, 39 yards on seven targets, while he had 10 carries and 42 yards. So you're happy with the overall usage with Justin Fields in there. Obviously, took away a little bit in the running game because Fields had 74 yards on the ground to David Montgomery. But Montgomery is a solid RB2 that you're going to play every single week. He's leading the way. He's a workhorse back, and he's got a boosted floor because of his involvement in the passing game. So David Montgomery, you're playing with utmost confidence. Outside of that, you might not be playing another single Chicago Bear the rest of the way in your fantasy football playoffs. But here's what I want to do. I was a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about the Monday night game, which thankfully was a hell of a lot better this week. Recap that and then get into the wave wire report at the end of the show. So everybody stay tuned. The MD's fantasy football show. We'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. We're also live on YouTube. Subscribe there. Check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. And check us out live or on On Demand 
when you download us from the Amazon App Store and watch us on your Fire TV or Android devices. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just recapped the Sunday night game for you guys between the Packers and the Chicago Bears. Now it's time to get into the Monday night game, which was vastly different from last week's Monday night game. We had two offenses that were high-powered, ready to go, 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 and it did not disappoint us. This game came down to the wire. Ultimately, though, a couple of killer turnovers by Kyler Murray winds up being the difference. Talk about the Arizona Cardinals first. DeAndre Hopkins and James Conner both got banged up towards the very end of the game on the last drive. Kingsbury did come out quickly and say, though, that while they got banged up, it wasn't because of anything that he thinks will be all that severe or have to worry about heading into week 15. Obviously, we'll keep our eyes on that and keep our eyes on the practice report and keep you guys up to date on social media at Show throughout the week. But that's the good news so far there. That It does not sound as if Hopkins and Connor picked up anything of no, at least as we know right now. So Murray was kind of a bittersweet for fantasy purposes, right? 383 yards, incredible. But he had two turnover, two interceptions, did tackle on 61 yards on the ground, didn't have any touchdowns in this game. Both touchdowns scored by the Arizona Cardinals went to James Connor. So he continues to be his RB low and RB one self without a Chase Edmonds, although Chase Edmonds is expected to be back next week against Detroit. We'll see exactly what their split winds up being after he wasn't quite ready to come back today. And if Connor's actually healthy, I mean, Connor wasn't efficient in this game. He had 13 carries of 31 yards, only 2.4 yards to carry on the ground with the two rushing touchdowns, but the eight receptions, or I'm sorry, the nine receptions for 94 yards on nine targets. That really boosted up his value. That really got him to be an RB1 for week 14. Now, our expectation when Chase Evans comes back, assuming it is this week against Detroit, and Kingsbury had kind of mentioned later on the week during practice in week 14 that it may be Detroit when Evans is coming back, but he would expect him back by then. I don't know if he's going to come in and get the same amount of carries he was getting before. Connor's been so good. Emmons has been getting banged up here and there throughout the year. I wouldn't be surprised if it was maybe more of a 60-40 split in favor of James Connor for carries with Chase Emmons coming back, especially his first week back. But I do think the passing down role, although Connor's been serviceable in that role, especially as of late, I think that's still going to go to Chase Edmonds because ultimately they know Edmonds has just more explosibility. That is what he's really good at. That is what they have this tandem to be. They have this tandem for a reason. They want Connor to be the ground and pound guy. They want Chase Edmonds to be the lightning, to be the pass catching back. I do think he reassumes that role upon his return against Detroit. So with Connor, you're going to go back to being a touchdown dependent, low in RB2, high in RB3. Chase Edmonds... Is going to be more of a high-end RB3 in full-point PPR leagues, half-point, kind of more of a mid-level guy. I think you can play in the flex, but because he doesn't really have that touchdown upside because Connor gobbles them all up, and I don't know if he really automatically assumes the same amount of carries that he had beforehand, I think Emmons is somebody that even when he comes back next week, it's going to be hard to trust him. It's going to be his first week back. Against Detroit, you don't know what kind of workload he's going to get right off the bat as far as his overall usage is concerned. 
But as far as how it affects Connor, I think you're going to love playing Connor next week against Detroit because of the matchup. The touchdowns, of course, will be there. And that'll be a game where even if he loses out on some of the passing down workers, Chase Edmonds returns, I think ultimately he'll be okay. So I think it's kind of how you're treating this thing until further notice here. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, like I said, he got banged up a little bit towards the end too. He does finish with the high target amount on the day, 12 targets, only five catches, 54 yards. Hopkins has been a disappointment this year. There's absolutely no, no way around it. He hasn't been the wide receiver one that you've grown accustomed to him being. He's been banged up more so this year than he has in years past. There's been more mouths to feed, so he doesn't necessarily always get the same amount of targets he's used to seeing. But I still think, having said all that, if Hopkins is out there on the field, there's no way he's not in your lineups. There's no way he's not. I thought it was really funny that A.J. Green wound up with seven catches and 102 yards and 10 targets in this game. You're not playing A.J. Green. In fact, you're not playing anybody outside of Hopkins and Zach Ertz and James Conner, confidently. I mean, obviously, Kyler Murray, but... As far as pass catchers go, it's, it's DeAndre Hopkins and Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz because he's a tight end who's getting six and seven targets on average, plus five catches, 42 yards on this one, half point, full point PPR leagues, continues to be in that top 10 territory. You can trust him in his role given his position. But Christian Kirk, I mean, he had a nice 47-yarder in this one, doesn't score three catches, 86 yards on six targets. A.J. Green's been an absolute dud up until this week, out of nowhere, it's been a while since he's even been relevant with his usage. So just you can't really trust anything coming out of the Arizona Cardinals unless it's DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Ertz, James Conner, and Kyler Murray. Some degree, I think he'll be able to go back to Chase Edmonds, but I don't know if you could trust the Week 15. Not right off the bat. Not unless Conner himself is going to be limited in some kind of way. So it is kind of interesting the Arizona Cardinal offense getting consolidated right now as we head into the as we head into your critical weeks. Now on the flip side, on the Rams side, things are kind of status quo. Stafford only threw the ball 30 times in this game, but that's all he needed to go 287 yards and three touchdowns. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Should mention this was a big win for the Rams. Gets them back into competition for first place in the division. And it also shows that while they snapped their losing streak against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week, they're back to beating legitimate teams and being legitimate themselves. Stafford having a really great game here went a long way with that. And all three receivers again scored Cooper Cup, OBJ, Van Jefferson. These are guys that are consistently finding the red zone. Cup had a cup-like line, 15 targets, 13 catches, 123 yards with the score. He's just phenomenal, and he's just not slowing down. But OBJ and Van Jefferson, so this is the more conversation that we're all trying to figure out and have. Going into the fantasy playoffs, you know, what do you have trust and confidence in? Well, they played about the same. Uh, Van Jefferson had about four more snaps, but both had 30 routes run in this game. 
So dead even there. OBJ is the one who comes with the seven targets. Six catches, 77 yards with the score. Van Jefferson, just two catches on the on three targets. Of course, being though he had the big score, 52-yard touchdown, so he was still very much fantasy relevant. I think the way you have to look at it is this. OBJ and Van Jefferson are both high-end wide receiver threes. Just given Stafford, given the offense, given the fact that this is a pass-first team, the overall volume that they have, the overall scoring capacity that they have, I think they're high-end wide receiver threes that you're probably playing in your lives more times than not. I think you can play both of them. Van Jefferson worries me a little bit more because OBJ has been getting slowly worked in more and more, especially as he's been healthier coming off that hit pointer injury. He was able to practice this whole past week and it showed in his snap counts when it went up from last week. But he seems to be like there is definitely a more focal point in making sure OBJ at least is involved in some kind of way, especially in the red zone. He's on a nice touchdown streak here. Van Jefferson, while he plays the same amount, usually as a Cooper Cup and as an OBJ, his targets are usually not the same. They're still they're actually using him more, reverting him more back to what he was playing before Robert Woods got hurt, where him and OBJ had kind of been interchangeable in that role. It's now kind of more gone back to Van Jefferson's back to being the deep field, big play threat. And OBJ starting to take over that Robert Woods role and starting to show as far as where Stafford's targeting these guys on the field. So I'm a little bit more worried about Van Jefferson's floor to ceiling ratio. I think there might be a little bit more boom or bust to his game moving forward. But they're both still playing enough, still getting enough usage overall on a great offense that, again, they're high-end wide receiver threes that I got to think more times not warrant a spot in your lineups. Sonny Michelle did fine with Darrell Henderson out with COVID. Uh, 20 carries in this game, 79 yards. He only had the one target. He hasn't really been very involved in the passing game, even with Darrell Henderson out. We got to see if he's going to be, if Darrell Henderson is going to be able to clear. I mean, he was added to the COVID-19 list very late in the week. Very late in the week. We were expecting Henderson to come back and play. So it remains to be seen if he'll be back week 15 or not. Something to keep your eye on there. But why Sony Michelle is such a valuable fantasy football asset behind Darrell Henderson. All right, what I want to do now, though, is take another quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about the waiver wire report for week 15. One of the last few ways to get your teams ready and better for your fantasy football playoffs matchups because you're not making trades now. So we got we to gotta utilize that waiver wire. We got to find ways to get better and get prepared. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we'll be back right after this. It's the holiday season, and you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. So get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. 
Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this, and the women will love you for it. Get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back in Empty Nation to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show streaming to you live on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. Subscribe to our YouTube channel when you get the chance. Check us out on your favorite pod streaming app after the show and download us on the Amazon App Store to your Fire TV and or Android devices. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just recapped the primetime games for week 14, and now it's officially time to move over and move in to week 15 with the waiver wire report. The playoffs are here. The playoffs are here. This is what we've been working for, MD Nation. We're going to try to win you guys some championships, and we got to find ways to get better. Now, as you would expect, the waiver wire report is a slim list. Because you're really picking and choosing guys that can help you either immediately or absolute lotto tickets or consolidate your roster in some kind of way. There's nothing else in between those three aspects of what you're looking for. So as I always do, I took the average ownership of all the major platforms, NFL, CBS, Yahoo, ESPN, and put together a list of guys that are under 50% owned that fit one of those three categories that can maybe help you out here in your first round playoffs. I only got one quarterback this week. That's two attack of at 38% owned on average playing the New York Jets this week. The entire backfield went on COVID Philip Lindsay, miles Gaskin, Savannah med. And this is already a team that throws the ball more than they run it regardless of who they're playing, regardless of the game script. Anyway, Tua has Devonta Parker back, so he's got more weapons than what he's had most of the season with Parker and Waddle and Mike Isicki playing against the New York Jets. Defense has been playing better, coming off the bye. Yeah, I like Tua Tagovailoa as a legitimate streaming option this week. Now, again, I don't have these rankings usually done until late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, so I can't tell you exactly where I'm going to have to a rank, but there's a pretty good chance it's going to be within the top 13, I would imagine. Definitely top 14, and maybe even within the top 12 and have him as a QB1 heading into the week. So two attack at Laveau at 38% owned. That's a guy to keep your eye out on if you're still looking to stream a quarterback for week four, uh, week 15. Now we get to the running backs, and we got a little bit more of a grouping here to talk about. So first guy I have up, because he's the most owned on average, and that's Jeff Wilson Jr., Again, I talked about this in the recap show on Monday. No, it wasn't pretty. 13 carries, 56 yards, 5.6 fantasy points because he wasn't involved at all in the passing game and hasn't been, even when Elijah Mitchell's been out. So, yeah, there's a low floor if he doesn't score a touchdown or get you over 100 yards rushing when it comes to Jeff Wilson. But I want you to keep in mind this. The Cincinnati Bengals are a decent defense. Atlanta Falcons are not. He's playing against Atlanta this week. If Elijah Mitchell has to miss one more week, Jeff Wilson will be a low-end RB2 in my rankings. He will be somebody that you can play. He will have 
a definitive opportunity to score a touchdown. And he might even have an opportunity to score 100 yards because he's just a guy that finally had 4.3 yards per carry last week in Cincinnati. So it does suggest that he's starting to get some of his explosiveness back a bit, get back to what he was being Jeff Wilson, which will give him these opportunities against Atlanta, especially if they get up big. Jeff Wilson will be the guy to close it out. Now, obviously, this is all contingent on Elijah Mitchell missing one more game. If it's Elijah Mitchell, then it's him all the way. But Jeff Wilson, somebody who's still worth owning, holding, and picking up if you have the opportunity to do so. Same thing goes for Ramondre Stevenson, and maybe Ramondre Stevenson even more so. 42% owned, lost some of his ownership on the bye week. I know in that situation, because you have guys in situations where you just you need the roster spot come one way or another. And going into week 14, for a lot of people, their playoffs started then because they needed the win to get in. So I get why his ownership went down a little bit. But at the same time, I do have the question, did you really not have a better option to drop? Damian Harris is dealing with a hamstring injury. We knew that going into the bye week. They're, they're still talking about they're not exactly sure how much he's going to be able to practice this week. Now, Josh McDaniels had a nice little thing on press conference, I guess, that, you know, if Damian Harris can find a way to get that out there on the field, he will. He was in the training facility, you know, all throughout the bye week, trying to get the hamstring right, blah, 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 blah. The point is it's a hamstring injury. He's either going to be able to practice and play this week or he's not. There's a decent chance. No, if he's out, Ramondre Stevenson will assume the Damian Harris role. No, that does not mean he'll be a pass catcher. We already know it's going to be Brandon Bolton, unfortunately. But if he's Patriots who have put an emphasis on being a run first offense and he's getting all the work, he's probably going to get over 20 carries in the game. You want Ramondre Stevenson on your team. He could be a very useful option. And he also falls in that category of being a potential lotto ticket because it's something where if Damian Harris were to say, re-aggravate that hamstring injury, then all of a sudden Stevenson's a, a, a very useful, a very vital guy heading into your championship runs. So Ramondre Stevenson definitely popping up on my radar as one of the top guys to go after if you've got any kind of fab or budget left or whatever priority you are. Next couple of guys are more on the handcuff variety. Ronald Jones, I kind of mentioned this during the recap show on Monday with Leonard Fournette. Because Giovanni Bernard looks like he's going to miss a few weeks, if, if not maybe even the rest of the year, we'll have to see exactly what the timeline winds up being. Ronald Jones right now is a full-on one-for-one handcuff with Leonard Fournette. Now, you might see Keyshawn Vaughn get involved a little bit more in the passing game. Maybe. That hasn't always been the case, though. With Keyshawn Vaughn, they haven't always shown the trust, especially when it comes to pass protection. It's not any better sometimes than Ronald Jones is. If something were to happen to Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones would be a must-play startable running back in your lineups. And I think you have to take that consideration. So Ronald Jones, if you got Leonard Fournette, you need to own Ronald Jones. He's only 20% owned on average. He's widely available. Pick him up. He's also a lotto ticket. So talking about consolidating rosters, Ronald Jones is a prime candidate for that. Dearness Johnson, to a lesser degree, falls in this category too. He's 22% owned. A lesser degree because Kareem Hunt's week to week. So it does stand to reason that maybe after a week or two, we'll see Kareem Hunt back in there and Dearness Johnson back down to being the third string running back. But we know what happens if Nick Chubb goes on COVID-19 lists or something of that nature. We know we have seen Dearness Johnson be very valuable this season when thrusted upon 
And they're in a situation again where he's just one Nick Chubb thing away from that being a possibility with Kareem Hunt being out. So Dearness Johnson, once again, is a handcuff I think you have to pick up until Kareem Hunt comes back. Then you have Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny's 8% owned. Now, I still get a little bit queasy about this because he's still a guy that could easily bust out, get injured in the second quarter, or, you know, because it's Seattle, they decide that it's an Alex Collins, Travis Homer day for absolutely no reason whatsoever. I have to lean towards, though, after the performance he's had and how desperate Seattle's been trying to get production out of the running game. I got to think Rashad Penny's going to be the guy who gets the first crack at it, and, you know, the majority of the crack at it, too, is the starting running back. So obviously starting running back piques your interest from a fantasy standpoint. He did look good last week. I, there's no doubt about it. Uh, they usually play tougher defenses than that than the Houston, though. But playing against the Rams this week, it's not going to be an easy matchup. But at 8% owned, Rashad Penny should, should be owned throughout fantasy rosters. Remember what Penny, even if he's somebody you don't necessarily want to play. Like for me, I, I don't know how much I necessarily would want to trust Penny. But I do know... He's a guy who's in a position with the upside he, pot- he potentially has, given his position with Seattle. He is definitely a guy I don't want somebody else to have and to use against me. So that's where the fantasy playoffs becomes a little bit different with the waiver wire. Now, you're not just playing what's best for my team. Now you're playing what's best to block the other team with. Maybe my team isn't in a situation where it can really be approved upon. Maybe there isn't a guy out there who can help me out this week or next week. Uh, Maybe all I'm doing is taking lotto tickets or I'm playing defense. Maybe I'm not a big fan of Rashad Penny, but I understand that he's a starting running back. I don't want my opponent to necessarily have another asset to be able to throw against me. So those are all other reasons why you might be wanting to look to make waiver wire pickups too. Penny kind of falls into that list for me. Same with Jordan Howard. He's also 8% owned. We know Miles Sanders was banged up heading into the bye. We're not really going to get an update necessarily until Wednesday on what exactly his status is, how healthy he will be. But of all the running backs on the Philadelphia Eagles right now, Jordan Howard, when healthy, has the most predictable role. It's kind of like a Dante Foreman in that way. If Miles Sanders is healthy, we know Jordan Howard is still in a position where he's probably going to get double-digit carries. He's probably going to get the goal line work. If Miles Sanders is not healthy, then Howard's a guy who's looking at a possibility of getting 15 plus carries, but still succeeding, you know, passing down work and some carries to Boston Scott, most likely, or Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott's unable to go. But we know that Howard, either way, double digit carry with touchdown upside potential. And that's why at 8% owned, he's a guy who probably should be owned a heck of a lot more than that and does have some value heading into these upcoming fantasy football weeks. That pretty much does for my running backs, though. So let's talk about my wide receivers. and that, that That's going to wrap it up, by the way, because I don't have any tight ends. So I, let's get into the wide receivers. K.J. Osborne is only 26% owned on average. I was very surprised by this. Now, when I thought about it some more, I became, became less surprised. I realized, okay, you know what? It was a Thursday night game. There was a lot of options still on the table for people. You maybe wanted to see Osborne actually take over the Adam Thielen target share before you could feel very confident in definitely being able to play him, whatever the case may be. He had the big touchdown. He only had the three catches, 
but he had nine targets in that game. So as long as Adam Thielen continues to miss, my expectation is that Adam Thielen will miss week 15 at the very least, if not more. Then KJ Osborne is definitely a viable, playable option this Monday night against the Chicago Bears. At 26% owned, he's one of the wide receivers. There's not really many wide receivers who have more upside than the KJ Boren does right now with the big playability and the extra volume that he is seeing. The only guy on my list that I think rivals the KJ Osborne as far as where he should be in your priority and your targeting is Robbie Anderson. And again, this goes back to the DJ Moore injury. If it comes back that DJ Moore is going to be week to week with the hamstring and he's going to miss time, especially going to miss week 15, Robbie Anderson is a guy that you can pick up and play and know that no matter who the quarterback is, he's going to be the number one target because Carolina is running out of offensive weapons who matter. They don't have a tight end to throw to. They don't really have another receiver outside of DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. No more Christian McCaffrey. Robbie Anderson will get enough volume to be fantasy relevant if DJ Moore has to miss time. He's only 44% owned on average. This is where I do my 180 and tell you that Robbie Anderson is worth a look, worth a pickup for you guys. And the next one's up, you know, Russell Gage, not excited about it. He has been the number one receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. And it's enough usage, enough volume over the past couple of weeks where he has to at least be recognized. He has to at least be noted. I don't necessarily want to play Russell Gage. I don't love the consistency that he has shown in the past. But he does have to be considered a low-end wide receiver, three high-end wide receiver, four, which makes him a flex consideration. and Somebody who at least should be on your radar depending upon what your options are. My last but not least player is, is Amon Ross St. Brown. This guy's gotten double-digit targets the past couple of weeks in a row. He seems to be in good position now with Jared Goff, has his trust as that big slot guy. And you take TJ Hawkinson out of the equation, the only guy left to man the middle of the field where Jared Goff likes to throw the most is on Monroe St. Brown, especially with DeAndre Swift out too. I should mention that as well. Has a lot to do with it. Now, if Hawkinson were to come back, Swift were coming back, I'm not. it's not going to bother me as much. But if Hawkinson comes back this week, then I would have less... I have less interest in Amon Ross St. Brown right now. But as long as Hawkinson is out, I think you're looking at a hefty work share for St. Brown, especially if you're in full-point PPR leagues. But I'm looking at him at 11% on on average. That's a nice little guy that you can kind of pick up, have that wide receiver three type of floor as long as circumstances go unchanged for him. That's going to do it for the show. Like I said, it's a skinny waiver wire report. Not a lot of guys I wanted to go over. I want to make sure we're consolidating down to guys that can help you this week, be lotto tickets for you in the future, or help consolidate your roster in some sort of capacity. That's my main focus. So that's going to do it for today's show. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. We're going to be back tomorrow night at 830. I was thinking 930. It's going to be 830 with the Thursday night football preview and the early slate matchup previews for week 15 for your first round of your playoffs. Chris Jahauer will join the show. Be there with him, him and myself. So guys, make sure you're checking us back out again tomorrow. Again, it's 8:30 on social media at Billy up MDFF show on our YouTube channel. Check us out after this show on your favorite pod streaming app and make sure you're downloading us on the Amazon app store for your fire TV and Android devices. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm going to see you guys again tomorrow.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com.